Thank you, Lord. It's, uh, did you know we, we, we are the family of God together? That we are the Christian family church, and we are a part of God's family on this earth. That wherever you go around the world, there are brothers and sisters in Christ. They're, they're a part of our family, that together we are the body of Christ. And sometimes people play with our iPads and load games when you've got notes and you can't find your sermon messages. And we, we, we do things at times that irritate each other, but we are the family of God. And uh, God wants us to, to love one another. God wants us to, to commit ourselves to one another. He wants us to enjoy uh, life with Him and life with one another, supporting and encouraging each other. So I just want to pray right now. God, we thank You for this opportunity to be united, to be one body in Christ, that through the blood of Jesus, through faith in what You have done for us, that we are adopted as sons and daughters of the living God, that, Lord, You adopt us into Your family. And God, I just pray this morning that through my words that You would bring encouragement, Lord, that you would build up each one, Lord, for the, the plans and purposes you have for them. I thank you, God, for the mountains that you're going to call people to conquer for your glory, God. Lord, uh, the, the way you're going to conquer those mountains through their lives, even maybe when we haven't expected it, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your spirit that's here with us today, Lord. And we just pray that you would move in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I read an article through the week and I, I shared it on Facebook, so some of you may have seen it or uh, even read it maybe. And it was about happiness. And it was about the Western civilization's pursuit of happiness. And basically how that pursuit of happiness is... It goes above so many things for so many people in the Western world. It's, it affects our lives because of the way the Western world pursues happiness all the time. And it's basically, we're all sold the lie that if, if we do the right things, if things are happening as they should, we should be happy all the time. The lie is basically, if we have the right partner, we'll be happy. So if you're not happy, maybe you've got the wrong partner. You should go and find a new one. That's, that's the world's lie. If we have the right partner, if we have the right house, if we have the right car, if we have the right job, the right phone, the right clothes, the right friends, the right shampoo brand, the right toilet paper, um, then we'll be happy. You watch the ads and if you're like, if you get sorbent, you'll be like this. And the lights are all on and they're happy. But then if you have this old other stuff, you'll be sad. And it's the, the lie of the Western world is that happiness is our greatest pursuit. It's not true though. And over the last few weeks, uh, we've talked about how we find true joy as we discover God's mission for us and we join Him in His mission. I'm not here to say that you should not be happy. I'm quite happy for you to be happy. You can say, woohoo, or yay, or get excited about that. We're allowed to be happy. Um, but happiness is not meant to be the greatest pursuit of man. Probably some of the greatest exploits of humanity have been in times when people were sad, when they were angry, when they were frustrated with things that they saw in the world. They, they, they saw things that gave them a righteous anger or they were grieved by things that happened and they, they step out 
because of what is happening that is just not right and they, they, they step out because of those other emotions. So don't feel that if you are angry or sad or frustrated that you're not in the right place. Chances are maybe God's placed you in that place. He's allowing you to feel that so you can do something to be a person who makes a difference to that situation. Happiness is not our goal, but happiness is often the byproduct of living the life that God has called us to live, about obeying and serving Him. There's a joy in the Lord as we step out into the things that God has for us. And this morning we're going to continue to talk about being empowered for mission. And as we are empowered for the mission, as we step into the mission, we will know the joy of the Lord as our strength. As we continue to look at the book of Acts this week, last time we talked about what happened on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came like a mighty rushing wind and there was like fire that came upon their heads and they began to speak in other tongues. Today I want to ask the question, was this a one-off occurrence of how God moved or is it the beginning? Is it a moment of just a beginning of a new normal in the New Testament pattern? Is it a one-off occurrence or is it just the beginning of a new normal as we see the Holy Spirit come? Again, we need to remember the context of what we're reading, that the disciples were, were Jews. They were, they were followers of Jesus. They were uh, Jewish people that believed Jesus was the promised Messiah. The Jews had been waiting for the Messiah to come and these people believed Jesus is the one. He is the one that God had spoken about, that he's going to rescue us. They'd seen him die, they'd seen him rise again, and they, they had faith that Jesus is the Son of God, that he had rescued people from their sin. They'd been filled with the Spirit, but they're still Jews. The same as if you're an Aussie and you get saved, you're still an Aussie. But these were, were Jews that were followers of God as Jews, and now they also believe that the Messiah had come. They hadn't quite worked out yet, they hadn't even thought about probably whether they still had to worship in the temple, whether they what the Sabbath meant or what uh, the feasts, how they went about that now and like circumcision, what did that mean? They hadn't even thought through those things yet as, as Jewish believers in Christ, the Messiah. But over chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5 of the book of Acts, we see the rejection of the truth by the Pharisees that basically drive them out and say, you have no place in here if you believe in Jesus. And we see this Separation is this divide between Jews and Jesus' followers. And we, we read about in the book of Acts how they were first called Christians a little later. But we get to chapter 8 and Stephen has been killed. Stephen's been martyred for his faith and he, he, his face shines as he, says, is he, as he amazingly has peace even as they stone him to death for believing and confessing that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Saviour. And the disciples are scattered, and we're going to read from Acts chapter 8 and verse 4. Acts chapter 8, if you've got your Bibles there, grab it out. We're going to be uh, looking at the book of Acts. We're going to be looking through a number of different passages this morning. I encourage you to have your, have your Bible out. Circle things. Let it be something you, you know your word. Um, even if it's on your phone, highlight it. Underline things if you can, that's good. Acts chapter 8 and verse 4, it says, The believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. 
Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people about, there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see mir- the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the Great One, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But now the people believed Philip's message of the good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and the great miracles Philip performed. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on the people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this. For your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for your evil thoughts. For I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaimed, that these terrible things you've said won't happen to me. After testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem. And they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. Philip goes to Samaria. And if you remember back to our series on Nehemiah, we talked about how the, the northern tribes, the southern tribes, uh, they were taken to Assyria, the northern, northern tribes, the southern tribes were taken off into captivity in Babylon. And basically they, they left the poorest of the poor people to, to work the land in, in those northern tribes and around that area. Uh, they, they worked the land and they also brought in uh, the, the, the Babylonian people, the Assyrian people. It was um, Gentiles came in and intermarried with those people that were left behind. And these, these people that were, um, they became half-Jews. They were intermarried with the pagan people and they were called Samaritans. And it says, Philip goes to these Samaritans. He tells the people about the Messiah the promised one. It says the people are amazed at the miraculous signs and they believe the message about Jesus. They believe and there's great joy. They've, they've had faith in who Jesus is, at what God is doing, and many are baptized. But then we hear that when the, the apostles in Jerusalem hear that they've received the message, they send Peter and John and they go that they would receive the Holy Spirit. It says, For the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. And when they laid their hands upon them, they prayed for them to receive, they received the Holy Spirit. 
It says in verse 18 that Simon wanted to buy this power. He saw when the Holy Spirit came upon people, this was, this was something amazing, this was something powerful. He saw the Spirit come in people's life. And here we have a second example of, of the Holy Spirit coming upon believers in a powerful and visible way. But let's keep looking at the book of Acts. In, in Acts chapter 9, we read about Saul. Saul meets Jesus on the road to Emmaus, and then he, he goes to the city, and Ananias comes to him. And Ananias goes, that it says that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what he explains to, to Saul when he gets there. That he might regain his sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he got up and was baptized. He believed, he had faith. Afterward he ate some food and regained his strength. And we read from verse 19 of Acts chapter 9. It says, Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. And immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue saying, He is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation amongst Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked? And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. It says Ananias went to restore his sight and that he might receive the Holy Spirit. His eyes are healed, he gets baptised and we hear that uh, Saul b begins to preach. There's, there's no mention in the passage about uh, Saul being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's no account of how it happened. But we do see that immediately afterwards, he begins to preach boldly who Jesus is. And the Spirit was sent that we might be his witnesses, that we might have power to be his witnesses. And there's no doubt that Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit at that time. It doesn't say how it happened, but it's there. Acts chapter 10. It's when Peter goes to Cornelius, the Roman officer. And in uh, verse 43, it says this, He, Jesus, is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and prophesying, and praising God, sorry. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterwards, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. You know, this is the preacher's dream. This is the, uh, the dream of every preacher that you're preaching and suddenly just the Holy Spirit falls and everyone's just like, wow, God is amazing. Now, some of you are like, yeah, I understand that dream, Andrew. <laughs> the Holy Spirit falls upon them and the people are like, wow, this is amazing. We didn't even expect the Gentiles to receive the Holy Spirit. We didn't know the Gentiles could receive the Holy Spirit. This is amazing. And you know what? He, God's done it just like he did for us. There can be no doubt about it that what God has done for us, he has done for these Gentiles too. There is no one that God cannot save, that cannot fill with his Holy Spirit. This is for everyone. 
And it turns the world upside down for them and for all around them. And you know what? Even for us today. And then in the next few chapters, it talks about this, this revelation that Gentiles can be saved. Gentiles can be filled with the Spirit. There's all this discussion. And there's more arrests. There's more people put in prison. There's more discussions about what it means for these guys as Jewish believers and what it looks like. And as some of the Pharisees ask questions about circumcision and, well, do they have to be circumcised? And they say, well, no, they've just got to love God and, they've got to, and, they, and they talk about what that looks like. The missionary journeys begin and, and Paul and others go to encourage the believers that they've shared the gospel with already and they, they preach the gospel in other places. And then we come to Acts chapter 19. We just want to read from verse 1 to 7. It says, While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul travelled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. So just to explain, Saul has now become Paul. So we're talking about the same guy here. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. You know what? I love this passage. This, this, this passage that talks about just this amazing time these 12 guys have with Paul. It's a little bit different to the, to the day of Pentecost account that's got the 3,000 people and it's the massive, it's the amazing, it's the extraordinary, wow. And then we've got this group of 12 guys. They're just talking with Paul. And Paul's like, hey, have you guys received the Holy Spirit? They're like, what Holy Spirit? What are you talking about, mate? And he explains who Jesus is, that he was the one that John the Baptist was talking about. And that they believe, they have faith that Jesus is the Messiah. And they're baptized again in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he prays for them and they receive the Holy Spirit. Paul explains... He baptizes and they receive the Holy Spirit. There's no doubt about it, they'd come to faith in Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit. No one can come to the Father except through the Holy Spirit stirring faith within us. But then there's this receiving of the Holy Spirit as Paul prays for them. And throughout the book of Acts, we see that people repent, they believe, they get baptized. And then, and sometimes before baptism, there's an obvious and, and clear receiving of the Holy Spirit in their lives. There was a, a greater filling of His Spirit. The Spirit had come, the Spirit was with them, but He wanted to fill them with His Spirit. And He wants to fill every one of us with His Holy Spirit. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1. He's writing to those he ministered in the book of Acts chapter 19. He says, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised, and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. 
God has identified you as his own. He has saved you by the blood of Jesus Christ. Through faith in his, his, his death, his resurrection, we are saved. And the Holy Spirit is, is our guarantee of what, of what we are to receive in the future. He has purchased to be, us to be his own people. It says, so that we would praise and glorify him. God has bought you with a price. It was not a cheap price. He laid down his life. As we heard Ed share about what Jesus did, what he fulfilled, what he accomplished through his blood that was poured out. And he did it all so that we would praise and glorify him. He sent the Spirit so that we'd be filled with power, that we would praise and glorify him. That's his desire. That's why Jesus died on the cross. That's what he, he wants us to have relationship with him. But I want to say it, it, it's sad. Sadly, some argue what it means to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But there is no such argument in the New Testament. There is no argument, there's no, not even a discussion about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He simply asks, have you received the Holy Spirit? I believe we should be filled with joy that we can know the Holy Spirit in our lives. We should be filled with joy. There shouldn't be any... Um, talking about the Holy Spirit shouldn't bring any confusion or, or, or angst in anybody. We should be filled with joy that the Spirit has come, it has come with power, and it is there to be with us in every moment of our lives. And we should simply desire to be filled day by day by day, more and more by His Spirit. Listen to what Paul says later in Ephesians 5 verse 18. He says, Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now he's talking to people that have already been filled with the Holy Spirit. He's saying, but don't just live in that experience. Go on being filled day by day by day by week by year. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. I think there's some, I, I think that, I think this is where some Pentecostal churches, we can have the wrong emphasis. We get excited when someone speaks in tongues as if it's the goal, but it's just a part of the process of being filled. It's, it's just, uh, it's an exciting moment, but let's not just live in the moment. It's not just about a one-off experience. God wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit day by day by day. The goal is not for people to speak in tongues. The goal is for people to be filled, to be his witnesses, to be in relationship with God day by day. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 7 and verse 37. He says, During the Feast of Tabernacles, which just so happens to be the time when the Spirit came to live within the temple that they built in 1 Kings chapter 8. You can read about that. And then Jesus says this, he says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Jesus says, is anyone thirsty? 
Are you thirsty? Are you dry? Are you feeling empty? Come to me and I will fill you. I will refuel you. I'll fill you. I'll give you a, 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 a I'll quench your thirst. I will, I, will, I will satisfy your soul. I will fill you with my spirit, with rivers of living water. He says not just a, a dribble. He's not just going to give you a one-off deposit and that's it. He says, I'm going to give you rivers of living water. It's going to be like a spring welling up inside of you, of your presence, of, of the fullness of my spirit in your life. This is what is available to us as believers in Christ. God doesn't want us just to have a little trickle. He doesn't want us just to have a few drops. He wants rivers of living water, of his living spirit in your life. John the Baptist declared, and it's recorded in Matthew 3 and Luke 3, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The word baptize is not sprinkling. That's why we have a bathtub and we baptize people in a bathtub. We immerse them in the, in the water of baptism. And John said, there is one coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He will immerse you in the Holy Spirit. You will be saturated by Him. He wants to fill you. He wants you to be so full of the Holy Spirit. You are baptized in His Spirit and with fire. And, and on the day of Pentecost, it says literally there was like flames of fire came upon them and they had a boldness and there was a, a fire that came inside them that they could not contain. I wonder how's your fire? I wonder how's your fire burning inside right now? Is there a raging fire of His Spirit burning within you even today? We may not always be happy. Happiness is not the pursuit that we are to live for. But God does want us to be immersed in His Spirit day by day by day that we might have power to be His witnesses. It would be so full of His Spirit with baptized in spirit and with fire to be his witnesses. Just shifting tact a little bit, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 14 talks about spiritual gifts, the gifts of the spirit for us to use to encourage and build one another up. In chapter 12 verse 7 he says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. NIV says, now to one, each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. As Pastor Barry Chant uh, came and shared with us, uh, what is that, a couple of years ago now, he talked about th these, these gifts that are given are in a moment. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a word, it's a, it's a gift for the moment to encourage someone else within the body. And in verse 31 he says, you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. These gifts are available to the body of Christ. And he says, desire whatever you need to encourage your brother or sister in Christ. Don't just say, oh, I'm not a prophet. I can't prophesy. I'm not, I'm, I'm not a, a miracles man. I, I, I can't pray for a miracle. He says, earnestly desire it. Believe that he, 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 will, he desires to give us these things and pray, move, act. The Spirit has come. We don't have to wait for him to come. Let's just need to step out in faith that his spirit would move through us. And he goes on in chapter 13 is all about love. It's the, the chapter of love. And he says, you know what? Let love be your highest goal. Let love be your highest goal. The goal is not that, to see some weird thing happen. The goal is not to see uh, some word that knocks everyone over or whatever else. It's, it's let love be your highest goal. 
The summary of the law is to, to love God and love people. And the gifts of the Spirit are to love one another with. It's so that people might know the love of God and that they might be built up and encouraged. He says in chapter 14, verse 39 and 40, he says, So, my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues, but be sure that everything is done properly and in order. You know what? Speaking in tongues can seem kind of weird. Does anyone want to agree with that? I think the first time I saw someone speaking in tongues or heard that, and I sort of thought, that's a little weird. And chances are many of us have, have felt the same thing. You know, prophecy, words of knowledge can seem a little weird. How does that person know that about me? Anyone had that thought before? Those things can be a little confronting if you've never experienced before, but it's not weird. The God of heaven and earth, the creator of all things, knows our hearts. He gave us our tongue. He gave us our mind. He gave us an intellect. He gave us emotions. And he knows all those things. He can speak into those things. He can use those things for his glory. He says, but let everything be for the building up of the whole body. And we want to encourage every one of you to, to seek God for the gifts of the Spirit, to move in the prophetic, to, to seek God for words of knowledge, for gifts of healing. But we want to do it in a way that will benefit everyone. And that's why we've asked people to, if you have a word on your heart, to come and ask to share so we can give you the microphone and share that so everyone can be blessed by that word, so everyone can be built up. We don't want to restrict what God wants to do. We want to help everyone to receive and hear what God is saying. It says in verse 32, people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. It says, let two or three prophesy. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. The NIV version of the same passage says, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. We, we can take turns. We have control. Uh, God will not take over your body and make you speak if you don't want to speak. If you're going to bring a word of prophecy, first you've got a desire to bring that word of prophecy. If you're going to speak in tongues, it's, some people ask God to help them speak in tongues and they go, okay God, make my mouth move, but God will never take over your body and make you do something. It's an act of faith to bring a message of, of prophecy. It's an act of faith to, to pray in tongues to believe that God has given you that gift and to, to begin to speak out those words that the Spirit brings in the moment to speak out. Sometimes we have an emotional response to what God is doing, but God does not take over our bodies. And I believe God's going to help us to share in a way that people can receive what God is saying. The one exception I want to say, and we probably haven't talked about this, but we've, we've had some discussion. As I said in the beginning, we're going to try and work this out as we go forward. But the one exception to, to coming to use the microphone on a Sunday morning is if you have a message in tongues for the church, I want to encourage you just to wait for a, a quiet moment and to pray out that word in tongues in a nice loud voice so we can hear. And then we will ask, we'll explain what's happening and ask for someone to come and give that interpretation. But let's just... Uh, let's do it in that way so people that maybe don't understand those things, we can explain it and it's just a little less confronting. We don't want to stop people bringing words in, and messages in tongues, but we want to do it in a way that builds up everyone and doesn't freak anyone out. Is that good? Good. I want to encourage you that the gifts are not just for Sundays either. The Holy Spirit doesn't live in this building. This building during the week is really cold. 
It's, it's really dark and there's no more of the Spirit here than in your home. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. And the Holy Spirit wants to move through your life, through your life wherever you go, whether it's in the supermarket, in your home, in your workplace, wherever you go, let's be open and available for the Spirit to move and to speak to people. Let's do it in a sensitive and a loving way. I don't encourage you to go up to a person in the supermarket and say, God told me to tell you. Maybe that's the way you need to do it, but I, I would be inclined to say, hey, go on, I, you know, sorry, I just, I just feel like God wants me to say this to you. I, I, I believe I, I'm a Christian, I love God, and I just feel he wants to say, you this, say this to you. Or, and we can do it in a sensitive, loving way. We can do it in a way that stops walls coming up for people. But let's be available and let's not be ashamed or, or too scared to, to step out. The Holy Spirit has come that we will be filled with power and with fire to be his witnesses. The book of Acts tells us about the Holy Spirit coming and I believe he wants to come into our lives in a greater way, that we might be more full of the Holy Spirit. As you read through the book of Acts, it talks about different times when people stand up and it says, Paul, full of the Holy Spirit, stood and declared. That's kind of like you, you read it and you sort of go, there was a, there's an obvious point here when Paul is so full of the Holy Spirit that they comment on it. Other times it just says Paul stands up and he, he talks. But there's other times when they're just so full of the Holy Spirit, there's, a, there's a, a noticeable difference in the person. I know in my own life there's times when I just, I'm just so aware of the, the filling of the Spirit in my life. He's still there all the time, but he wants to fill us to overflowing with rivers of living water. I want to ask you this morning, and I want to finish with this question, how well do you know the Holy Spirit? How well do you know the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit just something you've heard about? You're kind of like, well, I'm a Christian, so I guess, um, yeah, He's in my life. I know Him. Is the Holy Spirit something that you know He's just, He has filled your life? You have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You, you, you know Him. You, 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 you do life with Him. You talk with Him throughout the day. He fills you with fire. You know that you're just filled as a, as, a, as a filling of His Holy Spirit that it just saturates your soul, that you no longer thirst because you've got the Holy Spirit. I wish I could say that to me every day. How well do we know the Holy Spirit? Jesus died on the cross. He ascended to the Father and He says, I go so that my Spirit will come. Jesus died, He ascended, He sent the Spirit so that we could be filled with His Spirit, that we might be His witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There is no person that God doesn't want to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need His filling. I need His filling day by day to be His witnesses, to see those mountains conquered, to see God's plan, His purpose for my life fulfilled. And I believe there's people in this room that you know you need His filling. This morning, I'm going to ask the band to come. We're going to finish with a song. But this morning, if you, if you just feel dry, we're, we're a family. We're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Do not go home feeling dry. Do not go home feeling empty. I ask, would you come and would you let us pray for you? Maybe you've never known the Holy Spirit in your life and you say I want to receive the Holy Spirit and you might come forward and, and, and I believe that God's going to 
help you receive the Holy Spirit. And you may begin to pray in tongues. He may give you that gift even this morning. But let's believe, whether we've spoken in tongues, whether we've been filled with His Spirit 10 years ago, 20 years ago, or just yesterday, let's not live on our past experience, but go on being filled, desiring to be filled, to be used by God and to be filled by God, to be used and to be filled, to be used and be filled. We're a channel for His Holy Spirit to work. Can we stand? And this morning, if that's you, please come just as we begin this song, as we begin to say, sing the song that is all about God doing it again. He did it in the book of Acts. He did it throughout the centuries. He did it last year, and He's going to do it again. He's going to fill those who open themselves up to His Holy Spirit. If you want to receive, if you want to just have a fresh filling of His Spirit this morning, you can stay in your seat and you do it, but I want to encourage you to come, to take a step of faith and say, I'm believing for the Spirit to come and fill me this morning. I'm going to ask the oversight, maybe any life group leaders or people that um, you just you know the Holy Spirit's in your life. If you just come and pray with these people that respond this morning. I see you move. You move the mountains. And you can do it again. Let's sing.